So, alright guys, we gotta get this one right. On three, we're gonna say welcome back to our extraordinary thoughts, but on their mind. One, two, three. It's that ordinary podcast with the extraordinary thoughts that tells you to stop. You know what? Stop. I'm not even going to do that part. This is the law of the jungle. A tale is older than its truest as the sky. For the wolf that shall creep it, she keep it, shall prosper. And the wolf that shall break it must die. As the creeper that griddles the tree trunk, the law run forward and back. But the strength of the pack is the wolf, and the strength of the wolf is the pack. I had to get that out there because today I got the creator and the host of the Strength of the, pa- the, strength of the Wolf podcast, Julian Billmer. Now, I had to. Like, I'm usually good with my intros, but this time around, like, I had to do it right. I had to do it right if I was going to have you on the show. I had to do it right. Yeah, that was good, man. That gave me, uh, gave me chills a little bit. <laughs> You know, so crazy is that I heard it before, and then I started to implement it within my shop, and I would say it, and I would get mad at my Marines because they'd be like, "Oh, sorry, can we can we go and play football, you know, for PT or basketball?" And I would get upset because I'm like, "Why are we playing sports when all of us don't run a first class PFT? Why are we playing sports when all of us don't run a second? We can barely do the bare minimum, and y'all want to go celebrate? What are we celebrating?" And then I would have Marines say, well, I run one. I run one. And I'm like, I run a first class too, but we all don't. And if one of us don't, then we all suck. That's exactly how it is. It's not just one and two are good, and then everybody else isn't. Fast. So your your podcast, your message has always just, it just leaves a lingering effect on me. Like, I, I stop what I'm doing when I, when I hear you talk. And I just, it's such an honor just to have you on the show. I appreciate you, man. It's likewise. I think, uh, as long as we're trying to spread a positive message and it's as real as possible, I think that's very, very important that people people cling to that. So listen to your stuff too. The message you're getting out there continuously and consistently uh, and as efficiently as you do is, is outstanding. And uh, I definitely look up to you. And I, I mean, I've hit you up before as far as like pointers to on how to do things. And I, I appreciate that as well, man. So the love and appreciation is, is likewise. Absolutely. And your shoe collection from a sneakerhead to another sneakerhead. Like... <laughs> Now, I saw that you had some Yeezys on in one of your pictures, and I was like, holy Jesus is Jesus. And I, I when I see you and Gerson Williams, I got to come correct. Like, like I got to make sure. I, when I saw y'all at Fit Expo, first off, my eyes lit up when I saw you there. Yeah. Like, I lit yeah. I was like, I know him. Yep. But then I saw y'all shoes, and I'm like, hey, dang, man, we just did that Fit event. I got these shoes on. He's got threes on over there. They probably just think I'm off for show. Like, so after that, I just keep a pair of shoes in the trunk. I don't know where they go. <laughs> you know, know. Yeah. Fortunately, man, this quarantine is actually, uh, it's definitely slowed me down a little bit, which is good. You know what I'm saying? That's more money I'm saving, but I do have a love for sneakers. That is something that is, is, I can't even describe. It's, it's been, I've been obsessed with sneakers since I was a kid. <laughs> No, what's so crazy is that growing up, I didn't have, like, we didn't have Same. a lot. Yeah. And I think it's because we didn't have a lot. Yeah. That's why I became so obsessed with it now that I have it. Same. Now, Same. my question is, before we just get into the whole show, are you going to get the flints when they come? The flint 13s? Nah, man, I'm holding on to my, the OGs from 2010. I missed them. I missed them. Yeah, I did not get them. 
crispy, clean condition, man. And uh, so, and I, I don't really like the, the darker blue on these mm-hmm. new ones. Um, but I'm gonna let them. I think the Flint 13s are gonna sit, so I'd have to see them in person. But I'm happy with the ones I still have. I, I already told my wife she might as well just get mad. She might as well just get because nah, I'm buying them. <laughs> I'm buying them. Do it. I'm the the pair. Like everybody's getting a pair of flints. Yeah, that's what I did with the 2010 ones. I, I got me, my wife, and my oldest son, uh, who was by, he was my oldest son at the time, but um, I got him a pair too. But yeah, man, this is a dope shoe. It's a dope shoe. Absolutely, absolutely. But in that moment right there, we did click because the same way that I grew up is, is, is the exact same way that you grew up. But yeah. could you just go ahead and just talk about where you're from and everything? Yeah, man. So I was actually born in Twenty Nine Palms. Uh, and now I'm back here for the third time. So I was born in Twin Nine Palms. My mom and my, my real dad were both Marines. Uh, they did an enlistment. Around the time my mom uh, was getting out, they, they split, got divorced. So then we moved to Germany, spent a lot of time in Germany, uh, about six years. And then from there on out, uh, she married an Army guy. We bounced around Midwest and the South, and I ended up enlisting to the Marine Corps out of uh, Columbus, Georgia. Yeah. Oh, nice. So did you always know that you was going to be in the military? No, I was actually more rebellious towards it. I was really? Always, yeah, and this is something we could absolutely go deeper into, and that's something that I remind myself all the time, and I remind these young kids, is I was that typical athlete that thought I was going to make it to the league in the NFL. I've been playing football since I was a, a kid, you know what I'm saying? And I always thought in the back of my mind that was that was the way I was going to do things. I was going to weigh I was going to direct my life. And for the most part, I did. But bouncing around so much had an actual big effect on me. And I lost a sense of discipline, at least what I thought was discipline at the time. I got lazy. But I thought I was doing good. I thought I was doing what everybody else was doing. Uh, and then senior year hit me. And it was like I wasn't maintaining my grades. Reality hit. And then it was like I don't have too many options. And then my ego was too big enough to want to go to a community college. I, did, I thought it was too good. So I actually almost joined the Army Reserves. Thank God I didn't. Or no offense <laughs> to Army Reserve dues. Uh, but I made the right choice. And I, I will say that my mom having served in the Marine Corps, no offense to my dad, who was an Army guy, my stepdad, um, I think that did have a, have a role. I wanted to make my mom proud. Uh, and so that's what I did. I took the leap. And now here I am, man. Well, you know, one of my biggest concerns is, especially being a father, is that I we travel a lot, and I always wanted to know, like, you know, will my kids, you know, was resent me for that, you know, always picking yeah. them up and moving. Right now, my family lives in a different state than I do, and I, I wonder, like, especially growing up, not having a father in my life, and he coming in and out because of alcohol. I was just sitting down having that conversation, and I was thinking to myself, like, damn, in, in a sense, I've become that. I'm not in their lives. Will they resent? What will they do? How would they grow up? And I and I asked that question growing up as a mil- with military parents. Was there ever that moment or did you just be were you able to move past that? I moved past it. And I'm not going to say during the time it was great. Of course, as a teenager is the worst, man. I went to three different high schools in the span of three years. Uh, so the social part, it numbed me to the point where in a good way. To where I know how to survive on my own. I don't need to try to fit in. You know what I'm saying? And that translated actually into the military. I didn't have to try to be the cool guy. I knew how to just be myself and roll with it. 
And that's something that both of my parents absolutely told me since day one. Um, so I've never resented it. I think there's some things that made me better. And there's probably some things that at the same time with the numbness to trying to be social butterfly, there's also the aspect where I had to kind of get out of my comfort zone a little bit more. So there's that. Um, and I was talking to my wife about it too, man. It's like, I, that's that generation of me growing up like that. And now my kids are just like how you're saying. And I was telling her like, you know, six, six to eight more years left of this. And I'm just ready to have my family and my kids' kids just be in a place where they grow up with other people. You know what I'm saying? I want that for them. And I think that's important. And I think all dads should want that. But military is the nature of the beast. And I don't think your kids will resent you. I don't think my kids will resent us because we're doing it. They know we're hardworking. And they're going to look back on your products and the things that you're doing now. And they're going to see the fruits of their labor, you know, with whatever time comes. So I think we're, we're both our, all of our kids are going to be good, man. Absolutely, man. I really appreciate that. I really do. Because I was telling my wife, like, this might be it for me. Because I just, I can't do it, you know? And I and one of my biggest aspirations for my kids is to have that that stable life, you know, where they, they meet the kids. I know, I have friends that I've known since we were in elementary school. And it, it bothers me sometimes when I look at my kids and I'm like, you might have that you met in elementary school, but you don't know these people since elementary yeah. school. Yeah. But you talk about, you know, being able to, to going into high school, and learning yourself and knowing yourself and having that feeling that I don't have to fit in in order to be myself. That right there is a trait that I feel like is dying amongst us. Because I feel like, you know, us communal creatures, we want to be around people. We want to be, we want to have somebody with us. And I understand. But sometimes we blur that line with the whole idea that I need to have people with me. So I must adapt within this. And yeah. if I don't adapt, then I can be alone. So when I heard that, like, it just stood out. Like, that's something I wish I would have had as a child, especially as a teenager. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at, at the time, it's just, it's just like with anything that happens in life, man. In a moment, you're not necessarily going to appreciate it. Uh, you're going to be like, oh, man, this sucks. Or whatever expertise you want to throw in there. Years down the road, especially when you have kids yourself, you look back and like, oh, man, those are things I, I didn't appreciate. Let me ensure that this group of people appreciates that. And then you, you do some reflection and you realize, like, it wasn't so bad. I learned from this. And that's just necessities of life, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Coming into the military, you know, here. And, and, and when, I, when I look at you, I always tell myself, this could possibly be me in the future right here. This has to. I must be seeing me in the future. This has got to be like <laughs> Gemini, man. Like, I mean, I, I, I'm telling you, I look, up, I look at you and Gerson Williams and I'm like, these are the characteristics that I wish that I, that I, I want to ensure that I exhibit when I, when I get as a, when I, when I move higher, when I move yeah. forward, that's it right there. And I just really want to know where it came from because we always talk about the bad leader. In fact, everybody always can look at the bad leader. And they always have a story about how somebody screwed them over, or how somebody fucked them over, or didn't put their best interests at heart, and they paid for it in the back end. But what makes a good leader? What actually, what is a good leader? In your I, words, I think a good leader is somebody who makes good choices in their profession and in their personal life. And to go deeper into that, the bad choices and the good choices, and what are you going to do about those choices? I would be sitting here lying if I told you that I was a I made the best decisions as a young Marine. I made some really terrible decisions that I learned from. And luckily, I had a good group of people who believed in me. And that's something else you need as a leader. You need people to believe in you and see something. 
Because at the end of the day, I tell Marines this all the time. Nobody in the world wants to come to work and suck. Nobody comes to work or they, they join something and say, you know what? I'm going to wake up and I'm going to suck today. It's, it's not going to happen. People want to do that. It's the choices they make, though, that allow them to do so. Are they doing the right thing? Are they making the choice to, to not drink and drive? You know what I'm saying? Are they, doing, are they making a choice to shave before they come to work? Simple choices make a path, and, and we all know that. And then if you do fuck up, right? I, I fucked up plenty of times. I was so understanding of what was going on that I had remorse for things that I messed up on. And I think the bad leaders, they make the mistakes – People tell them, hey, that was a bad mistake, but they don't go back and either fix the situation, apologize, or not do the same mistake again. And that's another thing. It's just like, to me, professional sports players, right? I think they are where they are because they never make the same mistake twice. You know what I'm saying? You look at the GOATs, LeBron, Kobe, Michael, never made the same mistake twice. And that's why coaches loved them. You have to do that as a leader as well. If you make the same mistake twice, people can't count on you. Mm-hmm. And again, you chose to make that decision to do or not do whatever it is. Um, people around you understanding and appreciating that around you, understanding and appreciating those people and letting them know. That's another thing. You have to tell people you love them or I appreciate what you did. Thank you. I think too many leaders in this gun club, man, or people who call themselves leaders, they never thank their Marines on a personal level. It's easy to sit here and just say in front of a whole company of Marines, I appreciate what you do, but do you really? The, the PFC wants you to come up to them one day, hey, man, I appreciate what you did the other day. That was awesome, right? That, those quick sentences, boom, just lit that kid up. And now he's Absolutely. like, oh, man, yeah, oh, man, Gunny, Gunny likes me, you know what I'm saying? Or they want to know that you're human and you have feelings. You know what I'm saying? And uh, appreciate the people around you. Make the right choices and be consistent most of all. Uh, be consistent. If you have a hiccup, come back from it. And Marines will appreciate that. And they'll respect it because above all else, respect runs this world. I don't care what people say. Absolutely. I, you know, the one human. I feel like we misconstrue what the whole idea of, you know, leadership, Marine. We're human. Before we're anything, we were human, and humans have emotions. Humans feel things. There's a certain level of empathy that humans have. There's a thing, we use the word human error on a regular basis, but we forget that we're, we are the human in the air. Absolutely. And that right there, that idea of leadership, when you understand that you are human and that the people around you are human as well, that right there, that's the first step in, a, in, in becoming a good leader. And Absolutely. I agree. There's certain, there's such a certain level of transparency that you must have. And I love the fact that you said, you know, I've, I've made mistakes. And I think that's the hard part as a leader is saying, I've made a mistake. And I've, I've, there's been situations where I've, I, there was a time where I didn't get up the rope. And I could have easily just hid in the car. In fact, I actually wanted to hide in the car away from everybody but i couldn't <laughs> like you know we go back to i think it was like 2015 yeah 2015 2017 I, I there was a time i didn't get up the rope in front of four battalions of marines so it was it was not a it wasn't in front of my shop or my platoon where i could just shrug this off and just no it was in front of like about a couple of thousand marines 
And I remember my Marines being out there. And I was so ashamed. I was so ashamed. I was telling myself, like, I don't want to do this. But I had to go back out there because one of my MAIs, he came out there. He was like, your Marines are still out there waiting on you. You told them to keep that same energy. Now they want to see you keep that same energy. And I had to go back out there. I had to climb that rope. Even if I couldn't get up the rope, I still had to. My hands got tore up. I felt oh, like my boy, I know the feeling. Oh, it was rough. And they stayed. And when I tried, I tried to step down as squad leader because I felt like, you know, and I feel like this is the hard part about making a mistake as a leader. Like, when you fail, you don't want to be in front of your Marines more because now you feel like as if they're, they they know your failure. They see your failure. They don't, they, they don't value you as a leader no more. I don't value myself. And when I tried to step down, my Marines wouldn't let me. They they would they wouldn't let me step down. I even had a, a I even picked one of them. I was like this, yo, like you've been doing a phenomenal job. You the squad leader. They was like, sorry, it's not that big of a deal. Like it's, it's like, sorry, you're so over dramatic. It's really not that big of a deal. <laughs> like they're like, one, like what the last corporal told me. He was like this, sorry, you're just, you're so over dramatic. You're just so over dramatic. It's not that big of a deal. We we would never lose respect for you. Okay, you had a bad day. And I was just like, oh, I hate all of y'all. I can't even quit in peace. But I bet you, I guarantee you, the reason why that Lance Corporal said that to you is because you were consistent. Mm-hmm. If you wouldn't, if you would have been a, a spotlight warrior or only performed when certain people were around, it would have been a totally different story. But because you're probably consistent each and every day and you held their feet to the fire, which in turn hold, held yourself accountable, that's probably what a got him to say that you know what i'm saying if you were complete opposite you did you did not said anything right and i think everything that you just talked about can be related to family right those marines are family for some reason man like when i make decisions i'm thinking okay if if my wife or my mom or my dad was here would i make the same decision in front of them or would i do this in front of them and if i fail at it they're going to be looking right at me and just waiting me to go right back up that rope you know what i'm saying it's so I think it's like human and family tied together, man. I think it that's what this whole thing is about. This institution is about. You treat people like humans, they can become part of your family. Even some people that you dislike. We all have uncles and aunts that we may not get along with. You know what I'm saying? But like you at the end of the day, you know you're gonna love them and then you know they're gonna love you too if something bad happens. So yeah, man, that's I know exactly what kind of feeling you're talking about. I failed as well, bro. So Really? I, so I'll tell you this, man. And, I was a sergeant. I just came off of a crazy deployment. This is the Sangin' deployment. I thought I knew everything. I thought I was the top of the world. It's like, man, look at me, combat Ken. You know what I'm saying? And I checked into uh, combat instructor school like four or five months after that deployment, right? Which is probably bad anyway. Um, I had a lot of buddies with me from the same unit, checked into the same same school, and my ego and lack of preparation physically destroyed me. I should have failed that school. Should have failed. I failed so many hikes. I got into it with a lot of the instructors and I should have failed. And I think the people that were around me is what allowed me to get my mind back and it humbled me. And that to me that was the biggest one of the biggest turning points of my career right there. Because I could have easily been like, oh well I could have blamed everybody. And I did initially. It's like, man, these dudes, these instructors, they're assholes. They they ain't been in combat. The typical, like, ridiculous, you know, nonsense. You know what I'm saying? And I got humbled and I got sent to MCT. 
right, to go teach instead of going to AIC to go teach Squalor schools, which was the goal. Boom, humble. From there on out, I said, by the time I'm done with this SDA, I'm going to be a meritorious staff sergeant. A year and a half later, meritorious staff sergeant after being a sergeant for only two years. And so it drove me. It turned my whole career around. Um, and because I had failed in front of dudes I had been in shootouts with mm-hmm. in combat, it humbled me because I was like, man, that's family. I can't fail in front of family. Um, Absolutely. And they pushed me. And so, and now here I am. So, yeah, man. You know, ego, like, it's so hard, especially when you, when you're, when you always have the right answer. And I feel like that, that's the part right there is because we've, we've experienced it. We've done it. We've been in these type of situations that it's so easy to forget when we fall or when we fail. But ego, that's the hard part right there. Especially, especially as, as Marines, man. Mm-hmm. Especially as and- Marines. And you always see it like every Marine. And I feel like that's it right there. That's the breaking point right there. That's what separates the follower from the leader is the moment that the ego pops. The lead, the follower can finally start leading. But then again, also that you have the predators and the moment that your ego pops. Oh, this is his weakened state now. Oh, this is his. Oh, he, he's, he's admitting that he's wrong. He's showing remorse. Let me swoop in. And it, it it stops us because it's like, no, I'm never wrong. No, 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 I'm going to keep pushing. And that ego keeps you keep going when you're hurt. That ego, knowing that you're really injured, that ego keeps you pushing even though you know you're wrong. And what I ask is, how do you tame the ego? I turned it from simple two words. I turned it from cocky to confident. Mm. So to me... When I when I hear the word ego, I think cocky, right? And I think, and I, sh- I'll say this, man: if a sergeant isn't borderline cocky, right, he's not there yet. I think a sergeant mm-hmm. should be that in a way. They should feel like they've made it because the hum- the humility will come, right? And it's just a matter of what's going to turn him to to make that change. And for me, that moment, right, it was like, okay, I can't be this arrogant guy. I don't know it all. These people that have been in longer than me, they they don't necessarily say they know it all, but they damn near do. And I I look up to those people. So I decided, okay, I got to perfect my craft. I have to be confident in my craft, but at the same time, understand that people around me and above me do know better. I have to learn from those people and just keep it quiet. And then when that comes out or where that opportunity presents itself, I perform and then move on about my business. Um, and it's just like, for me, like drill, like nobody, people look at me and they're like, there's no way this dude knows how to drill. Just, there's no way. What they don't know is I used to want to be a DI. I taught, I taught all the drill at Sergeant's course. I love drill. But when it comes out, it was like, Gunny, whew, okay, okay, Gunny. I wouldn't have guessed that. I would not have guessed that. No, nah, bro, I smoked so many people in drill, besides drill instructors who've been doing it for years. Give them credit, right? But drill manual. All that stuff, I'm into it. You have that's something that we, again, well-rounded, right? But nobody's gonna know that until I go perform it, and then it's like, oh shit, he can do it. And then you walk away, you taught him something. There's no need. I don't gotta brag about it. I don't need to rub it in people's faces. I do it. I execute. Teach them something. 
and that's it. There's no need to to talk about it and brag about it. You know what I'm saying? So, I think yeah, just turn it cocky to confidence. I think is key. Absolutely, absolutely. You know what's so crazy is that it's the it's the other way. It's reverse for me. Everybody looks at me and they like, oh, thick pen. You know, you must be ready to go to the drill field. Like, you know, you must. You know, like they when the SD every time I get hissed, it, it's always di because of my tattoo. So my yeah. sergeant major, he comes out there. He's like, let me guess, drill instructor. And I was like, no, sergeant major, like recruiter. And he was like, well, not with those tattoos. And I was like, all right, then send me the MCT. I'll be a combat instructor. He's like, oh, not with that. And I'm just like, okay, y'all want me to say it? I hate drill. I hate it. <laughs> and there's nothing I hate wrong it. with it. There's nothing wrong with hating it, right? So. And that's what I that's that, that what I just told you is how I used to tell the sergeants that the typical dudes that are like, man, I hate drill, drill, stupid. Okay, cool, but it's an expectation for us to understand it. You know what I'm saying? You're expected to know your job, right? Mm-hmm. Do you suck at your job? No. Do you want to suck at your job? No. So when if your Marines expect you to teach them something, and you know what? I'll give you another story. I'm on the Mary Tours board, right? For staff sergeant. He's like, hey, Sergeant Bill Mayor, I'm gonna give you this NCO sword. His first sergeant says, I mean, this NCO sword, I need you to do present sword. I look at him, embarrassing moment. First sergeant, I've never touched an NCO sword or performed sword manual in my entire career. Right? That moment forward, drill. True story. True story. Oh. Yeah, so I didn't make it in that round, right? I had to go back and do it again. And it made me, I grabbed my first sergeant that I worked for, and I said, first sergeant, Teach me everything there is to know about the sword manual because this has never happened again. So I told my Marines, I was like, you, your Marines, you never know what you have to prepare them for. If they go on a board and they're like, Sergeant, uh, can you teach me some drill just in case this happens? And you're like, I don't know. You failed them. Mm-hmm. You failed them. So you, have, you don't have to like it. You don't have to love it. But just like with anything, if, it, if it's an expectation of you, at least have a general understanding and, and know where to find the answer or the tools. You know what I'm saying? So that's what that was my my way of trying to get them not necessarily interested in it, but like to get it done and then have a little bit of belief and and excitement about it. So, yeah, man, that happened. You know, I I appreciate your honesty. I really do. Because I've been in I've been on boards and they've asked me questions that I know in my heart I did not know the answer to. I did not know the answer to. But I was so afraid to say I don't know. Like that level of transparency, I just felt like I couldn't cross that line. And I would just say whatever answer <laughs> came to my I was on the board one time for meritorious sergeant and they asked me, they said, Who's the Secretary of Defense? And the first I did not know initially. I was just and you know it's so crazy. The chain of command is right out there. And I wasn't yeah. paying attention to it. Yeah, and I was it's, it's part of it. I was nervous. So what'd you say? And I looked at I looked at I looked the star major dead in his face and I was like Hillary Clinton, just like that. Hillary Clinton's secretary. I never smiled nothing. I just kept it straight. I saw my star major who also was on the board. He looked over at me and he just shook his head. He just shook his head and I knew that was the wrong answer. <laughs> I knew that was the wrong answer. But you know what? Again, man, confidence, right? So, and I teach my Marines when they go on boards the same way, right? If you don't know the answer. Either you say you don't in a in a professional way, right? If you're if you're not worried about the embarrassing part, or do what you did, and you say it so confident that they think you said the right answer. And I've seen it sitting on like for the for the Marines, uh, like the the PFCs and privates on the like company boards for like MCT, right? When we're about to graduate, and they would say something so quick and so confident that a couple people had to do a couple like looking around, like, was that right? 
because they said it so confident. You know what I'm saying? And that's how you should go into it. You got to have that that confidence, man. So you might – some people probably were like, hey, man, is that, is that Hillary Clinton? You know what I'm saying? Because you probably said it so confident. I said it – I'm talking about like as soon as he said Secretary of Defense, she popped in my head so boom. fast. It was just boom. And it, when I said it, I was like this. No, she wasn't. No, she wasn't. You idiot. There you go again because the last board, they got on me about my questions because yeah. they asked me what was the three types of bleeding. And I knew I knew what the three types of bleeding was, but for some reason I couldn't get them right. And I'm yeah. thinking to myself, like, all right, so we got artery, we got vascular. And I took a deep breath too on this because I knew I knew what I was about to say and I should have known what I was really about to say. And I was just like, Yeah, vaginal. And no I said, no, I no swear way. to God, I said, vaginal bleeding on the meritorious arm board. Vaginal bleeding. That's crazy. That's that's crazy <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> Everyone laughed at me. Everyone laughed. And I sat there with the straightest face, just here we go. And then they just continue to keep on pushing. Like I'm talking about like tears out of their eyes. And I'm just like, okay, it's not that funny, gentlemen. It's not that funny. <laughs> oh man. And again, go back, it goes back to being human, man. Like really. When I when I'm sitting on boards now, for if it's bad or good, right? I'm not like you have to put themselves in their shoes. Like, what are these kids going through, or men? What are these men or women going through? The stress, man. You know how many knowledge books I I read for the board, and I, there's always going to be a question you don't know. So <laughs> now when I'm looking at it on the flip side, on the opposite side of it, I'm like, okay, what am I looking for? This board is for somebody that's going to be a leader. Somebody that's going to make it a decision, make it. They're going to be confident about it, and they're going to have some type of professional bearing about themselves. So if they mess up a question, if you just – I ain't going to lie, man. That would be pretty hard to keep some bearing if you said that. <laughs> at the same time, like if somebody is like on it, chances are that same person is going to make a good decision and be confident about it. I think that's, that's, that's definitely key. You know, and I, and I tell you those because – Needless to say, I lost both those boards. The first, the, the 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 Hillary Clinton, I actually won, but I got the score. I got it by score, so that happened. But the, that one, oh, yeah, I, I lost. And I tell my Marines that because I feel like it's a certain failure defines you as a leader. That human error, you have to, we're not perfect. Yeah. We're proficient. We strive for perfection, but it was never in our contract. And by that, you know, I feel like leadership, Failure defines us. You can't judge a man by his success. You can't. If you're always at top, how do you know what it's like to be at the bottom? How do you appreciate the bottom? So failure as a leader, what do you think about it? I think like we, we kind of hit on is admitting to it, right? Mm -hmm. Building on it. And if a Marine fails, you can't be a hypocrite. I think that's very key too. Is right there. We all know somebody that did the same mistake as somebody else that's superior to us and either did not get punished or whatever, but then some person does the same thing, it's a big deal. Mm. You can't be a hypocrite. I can't fail at something and then somebody does the same thing and I, I get in their ass. I have to approach it the same way a lot of people approach with me. Talk to them like an adult. The one thing I've learned about talking to people and I, I had to learn this the hard way. If Marine jacks something up, is late for work, for example, right? 
I'm gonna let the people in between me and him handle it. But instead of jumping to that person and meeting him in a parking lot and destroying their their eardrums, <laughs> I'm gonna be like, hey, come see me at lunch. And the reason why I'm doing that is because I I'm love allowing. I love the fact that you said the people between me and him handle it because I know who those people are. Those people are me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you should be. You know what I'm saying? One, because if I jump down to, to that, let's say it's PFC. If I jump down to that PFC, I just took your power away, right? Absolutely. I'll let you handle it. I'll let you sift through it. But the reason why I'm telling him to come see me later, emotions, right? Too many people, we fail a lot of times because our emotions get the best of us. But by adding a couple hours in between morning formation and chow, I'm relaxed. I'm thinking about it his her perspective. And now emotions out of the way. I can talk to that individual and, and actually listen by just sitting there yelling at them and nothing. The, one of the, the reasons why I learned this lesson is because I jumped in the Marines ass and it wasn't it was so, over something that wasn't their fault and it was out of their control. Mm. You just never know what somebody, what happens, right? Marines late, okay. He's late. Why is he late? Is it, sometimes it's a legitimate excuse. And when you, you feel like a big idiot, when you yelling at somebody and come to find out it was something that you should be aware of as a leader that happened, but instead you ruined it, and now that Marine's not going to talk to you. And it spreads. Absolutely. It spreads. Everybody's like, oh, man, that dude's unapproachable. Yeah, because you broke, you severed that relationship with your dudes. So when you when you fail, don't be a hypocrite. And also take emotions out of your choices and decisions, and you can think a little bit clearer. That's going to take away from the possibility of failing. Absolutely, absolutely. You know the emotions. You know, well, first and foremost, you know, I, I, I don't know who needs to hear this, but your Marines know that you, you, you fail people. They know, and oh, yeah. I feel like we as leaders, we walk around and we act like the Lance Corporal Underground is just so far apart. From us, no. First off, we were a part of the Lance Corporal Underground. The like, worst of them. The worst. worst leaders, man, used to be the worst Lance Corporals. Ask them. Oh my God, I tell my Marines all that all the time. I tell them, I was like, yo, like you would not have wanted to see me as a PSC. A PSC has dropped a piece of shit. Like I don't even understand. It was because of good leaders that I was even able to make it this far. It was because of good leaders, and I say it all the time. Good leaders saved me because me, my attitude was terrible. I had such, and I could, it wasn't even what I was saying. You could see it in my face and tell I got an attitude. Yeah, I'm and, the same way. And, you know, I, I try to hit it now. You know, I try to, like, have a good poker face, but my face will betray me. Like, it betrays me in a heart. <laughs> That's my wife, bro. <laughs> you know, I'm sitting back, like, if my Marines, like, you would hear, like, you know, Marines yelling at another Marine or talking to another Marine, and he'll say something or, like, listening to another NCO talk, and if I don't agree with it, I try to look away from the Marine so he doesn't see that I'm not agreeing with what he just said. Like, he'll say some wild stuff, and I just like, I mean, yeah, man, I mean, I'm going to go with that, you know, because we supposed to, but, hey, let me talk to you offline for a second, man. What did you just say? Like, that was wild. And you lucky I ain't almost embarrassing. <laughs> but emotions, me as a, a young, no, a corporal, oh, corporal, corporal thing was terrible. Corporal thing was terrible, and I was cocky, too. I was cocky. And I even started to separate myself from my from my peers. Like, you know, you start to designate the weak corporals from the strong corporals. I was like, well, if you're not like me, then you're a weak corporal. And I remember as a young sergeant, that same mentality carried over. And I love the fact that you said severing, becoming unapproachable. Because I remember a cor corporal thing, 
that young sergeant was not approachable on 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 the wrong moment because I would say things like this: let the staff build their emotions up. That ain't my job. Hey, go let the sergeants fuck, uh, let the sergeants talk to them. That ain't my job. We're here yeah. to scorch the earth. That's it. And I can't believe I would say stuff like that. You know, but I remember like you know the whole you're a bulldog. That's it. You do your job. You leave Marines. You chew ass occasionally. Sometimes it might be a lot than usual, but that's not your part where you build them up. And then when it was time for me to learn how to build them up, I didn't even know. I'm sitting there awkwardly like, so, uh, yeah, so you got your ass chewed today. That's crazy, right? (laughs) (laughs) I'm the one that chewed his ass. I'm the one that did. I was like, like, so what happened? He's like, well, I was late. I was late, sorry. Wow, man, that's weird, you know, especially because I got, you know, I got kids, you know, and I'm never late, you know, but let's see your, let's hear your story, what you was doing, playing video games, zero empathy, terrible leash, and it took failing, it took not understanding my Marines, it took them, I can't talk to you, Corporal so-and-so knows it, but I can't talk to you about it, and I think the hardest part was having a fire team and not knowing what's going on in my fire team, and how do you become that approachable? How do you start to build that emotion up and start to be able to create that bridge? Man, our maturity, it has to come. And for some people, it comes sooner. I've seen, I have seen PFC's junior Lance Corporals have a lot more maturity than me, even as a sergeant, that take on other people's problems. And they're like, the, maybe like the platoon, like Oprah, you know what I mean? Like everybody goes to them problems because that guy can listen. And in order to be empathetic and for, to be approachable, listening and hearing two different things. We all know this. You know what I'm saying? You go in certain first sergeant's office, you tell them a problem, they're just nodding their head. Yeah. Oh, damn. You know what I'm saying? A couple of those. You walk out like, this motherfucker didn't listen to me. He did not at all. But when a dude is asking you questions, even if you know he doesn't care and he has better things to do, the simple fact that he is at least trying to take interest, that's what matters. And that's when people... Again, the Marine Corps is so small. Your units are small. So when people find out about these things, it spreads like wildfire. And empathy, understanding of the human, and listening, like any relationship, is key. And people will come up to you and and give you the whatever issue it is. Even if, look, man, I'd be lying if I said I wanted to hear everybody's problem. Right? I got my own problems. We all do. Right? But... I know if I jack that up, that might be the Marine's first time talking to me. Mm-hmm. If I screw that up, he's never coming to me again. Absolutely. And, and I, I, now I take pride in that. It took me a long time to realize that because um, I used to be selfish and just like, hey, go, go talk to your corporal or sergeant. I didn't, wasn't realizing he was coming to me because he thought I was approachable. Um, so it takes time. It takes maturity and it takes the ability to understand people. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I, I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more because it just it just took because when I got promoted, I was I was by the time I became a corporal, I was like, what, 20, 21? You know, it took luckily I deployed right when I picked up corporal. So we deployed and being out there changed it honed my leadership. But at the same time, it still didn't fine tune the parts that I'm going to need later on. I ended up getting NJP'd as soon as I came back from that deployment. Matter of fact, I actually got NJP'd the day I graduated corporal's course. My in, well, my incident happened. Yeah, oh God, it was terrible. It was terrible. My sergeant major actually spoke. He was my guest speaker. That's crazy. 
oh, showing up to his office that Monday. It happened Friday. I'm showing up Monday, and he just looking at me like, are you serious? Wow. And I remember, and I this is why I always relate to the Marines that been that have faced some form of adversity because I faced adversity. I got the page elevens when I was a junior Marine. I got the sixty one advisor. I've been non ready. I've, I've had a will not promote, and I know the difference between those two. Yeah. And I've also been JP. And so I tell Marines like I know what it's like to be dominant. And you got to ask yourself: Is you gonna let that rock weigh you down, or is you gonna pick that rock and put it on your shoulder? Yeah. You know, and they like treat me different. They going to treat you different. You got a black guy. You might as well have cancer. People, you got the coronavirus. They want to keep you six feet away from everybody. You lucky you didn't get fapped out somewhere, but you're here. What are you going to do with it now? And I remember, and I say that because I remember that same Sergeant Major that spoke at my, at my graduation. During my NJP, it was his words that saved me. It was his words that let me keep my rank. And he said, he salvaged me. I didn't even know what that word was. Actually, after the NJP, I looked up what the word salvageable was. I did not know what it meant. And I was like, did he just refer to me as a car crash? But I understood. And it was that moment right there that just changed my whole idea of what leadership was, like to be there yeah. for the Marines, to to try to keep them out. You know, we can't keep Marines out of trouble. Marines in trouble going to go hand in hand. But to be that leader, to listen, because he really listened. And I told him the situation. I told him the problem. He really heard me out. And he was there even when everybody else was like, hey, just go ahead and burn them. Send them to the brig. Do what y'all got to do. So I, I, I really appreciate that part right there, especially as leadership and creating that that barrier, that bridge between the Marines. And what's crazy is him saying that to you, look how much further into the second, third, fourth order effects that's gone. By him just doing that in that moment, right? Him to you, you're carrying that to your Marines, right? Who are then going to carry that. That, That's why, man, small moments, bro, is so important in how you treat people as humans because you just never know how that, how long that's going to extend, man. And that's how you create toxic environments by, mm-hmm. by doing the opposite. So kudos to that Sergeant Major, man. Kudos to you for carrying that message. But again, it's just like, those small things can go such a long way, man. It's crazy. And I remember you talking about being selfish. And 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 when you said that, I, I'm talking about I'm in the smoke pit, sitting down, watching the video, just like, man, yeah, that's true right there. That's true. And being, being that non-selfish leader, picking your Marines up, teaching your Marines, the training that you give your Marines is the same training that they're going to pass down to somebody else. The little things that you say to your Marines is the same things that they are going to adopt and pass down to someone else. And it's a double-edged sword because that can either be good or that can be bad. Yeah, that's true too. So I just really wanted to just get that idea right there as far as just being, being that good leader, that idea of immortality and just being like separating that selfish part because we all we all have that time where i don't really don't want to deal with it i really don't want this dang i'm not going to get praised for this or i'm not going to get this because i got to stay here i got to do this and that's a hard part because i'm just be 100 percent with you what happens if my career i take that step out there what's going to happen with my career i still got to eat too yeah 
And that's a tough, that's one of those tough things that we got to, and I've had a lot of people ask me the same thing from that video. It's like, I get it, but I have to be selfish too. And there is a level of being selfish. But what I tell people is this. Typically, Marines are selfish in the way that they're wanting some type of reward for something. Those rewards are either promotion, public recognition, or an award once they leave, or for whatever it is specific, right? If you are unselfish and you just focus on everything around you, those things are going to come because people are going to see it. So we can't focus on that like, oh, man, I got to do this. I got to go volunteer here to get this on my fit rip. I got to go do this because now you're not doing it out of – you're not doing it in a genuine way. You're fake. But if you're genuine and you're real and you're taking care of people, people are going to see it. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. And you think people aren't watching you, and they might not. Eventually somebody will, and they're, your fruits of your labor will come. But in that moment, man, like people need you. It can't be the other way around. Uh, and I think that's key. And that's something that these young guys need to understand. Because it's hard when you're young, man. You got, you got family. You got bills. We say we don't bring our problems to work, but we do. But they just have to understand their junior Marines need them because eventually they're going to be out. There's going to be another war. And they're going to have no control over what those dudes do in that war because they failed them. And they're going to have regrets. And I think that's very, very important not to have, especially as, you know, further on past your career. So. That's my that's my feel on it, man. I ain't about to lie to you. I sat here and I took notes on everything you said. I really did. But just like that, another extraordinary thought left this ordinary mind. I hope you enjoyed this episode half as much as I enjoyed making it. Brother, you got anything for the Marines? One last save round. Where can we find you at, too? Oh, yeah. for um, You guys can find me on YouTube. We got my own channel, SOTW Training. Uh, or you can search my name, Julian Billmer. Instagram, SOTW Training, podcast, SOTW Project. Uh, but more importantly, man, I'm here for anything. People can talk to me about fitness, personal issues, leadership, guidance. I had a Marine ask me the other day about fit rep questions. That's my job, man. My, my leadership goes further than just what I do with my own unit. It goes into social media. I think that people need to understand that as well. But my last, I would say my last round, man, is for people to understand that Eventually, they're going to hang this uniform up, and the things they do now are going to affect what they do after. The people that are at their retirement ceremony, is it going to be a reflection of how they took care of people? And then once they're gone, man, there's no coming back to this thing. So what type of relationships did you build? What type of things did you do to help your legacy? That's what's important, not the other stuff that's going to come anyway, the promotions, the awards, and all that stuff. So. That's my that's my advice to anybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just like that, stay hungry, stay motivated. I'm out.